Hello, I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a show about conversation, community, and the people that bring community to life. My guest today is Mary Elizabeth Lawson, the musician behind Mason Jicks. Not only will we be in conversation, but Mary will also perform a few of her songs for us live in the studio. Songstress Mary Elizabeth Lawson is the heart and artist behind Mason Jicks. Her passion and skill for songwriting, combined with the like of local musician friends, is what leads the direction of this musical artivist project. Mason Jicks makes music that reminds us to find love in moments of seeming chaos, igniting the fire to fight for freedom and confront life honestly. The music will liberate your spine and mind. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now I've reread your bio. It makes me want to say, it sounds as if you have this heady combination of fierce social justice warrior combined with this dear, loving, spiritually minded person. Thank you. Is that fair? Or is that <laughs> a completely, <laughs> am I making that up? Is that pure fiction? No, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I've had a strong passion for activism since my freshman year of college in 2007, 2008. And since then, I've done my own fair research of Black activists, revolutionaries, um, and continue that work in my my own community. And then the spirituality aspect of, of my bio, I also take a lot of time to be spiritual aware, do my own research and reading on um, spiritual type stuff, but I'm not, I don't know, I'm not that, I'm not someone that goes around tooting my own horn about my spiritual um, knowing or anything like that. I think it's more of just action, what you do in your your day-to-day life that speaks volumes. Does your perspective on something beyond ourselves and spirituality find its way into your music? Yeah, it does. I, I think I use hmm, I use a lot of metaphors that describe for me my spirituality, but I never talk about it in detail at a live show and I haven't had the opportunity yet to um, go into detail about the songs and um, where the spiritual metaphors are, but there are a lot of them in each song. Yeah. And I also, I actually had this conversation with a friend of mine who's a professor at Doan University in Crete, and he's also on his own spiritual journey and a writer and an artist. And we were going into the inspiration behind the title track of my EP in the middle and he had some questions for me and I kind of broke down uh, verses and the chorus and um, let him know what inspired 
the the song and there was actually a lot of spirituality metaphors but also um like sexual innuendos that kind of matched up it's kind of weird and it doesn't really make a lot of sense to a lot of people but it makes sense to me um i think for the better part of my childhood and like my early adulthood spirituality and sexuality were separated and now i have kind of merged the two parts of my identity so that i have a better understanding of who i am it's kind of where i am now you have a new ep called in the middle one review of your song motion from that ep asks do you feel the palpable passion in this recording which made me curious, how much of yourself, your emotional and psychological landscapes and experiences go into your music? A lot of it. Um, I've heard from a former bandmate that my the way that I write songs is kind of like a stream of consciousness. And um, I'm working on, I'm challenging myself as a songwriter to be more, um, to have more of a solid narrative behind a song instead of it just be like a one stream of consciousness but um i pull straight from um emotional and psychological landscapes i i think that that's what the songs are and then as far as the music goes um i think it's just the energy behind that those landscapes those experiences can you give me an example sure so from you know from any one of your songs, how perhaps something from, you know, this lived experience of yours has found its way into, into some of your music. In the Middle is a direct telling of a, an experience I had with a love. Going on a camping trip, I paint the picture in the song lyrically. The music behind it is, is kind of this forward motion uh, vibe of of being in love and experiencing traveling together and also the inner workings of what goes on for someone in love um questions i might have or um insecurities that i might feel i think all of that is in in the middle of that song another example is with motion um that song lyrically and melodically is another um, telling of being in love for me. And um, most of the songs on the EP are of me being in love and my hopes and my questions that I might not make known to uh, who I'm experiencing being in love with, um, but that I can write in a song and kind of let it out. When I turn to what you're describing, it seems to me that part of what you're talking about is exposing your insecurities and vulnerabilities, but through music. Mm -hmm. And to me, that always suggests a huge amount of courage. And I wonder how, how do you go about doing that and perhaps not uh, being tempted just to play safe and maybe just to do a somewhat saccharine love song? I think that's always been the easiest space for me to be vulnerable and to share my emotions and to uh, stand behind my insecurities confidently and recognize that it is a part of the human experience is in a song and through music 
um, other parts of my life, it's kind of challenging, but always through music and within a song, it's been easier for me. It's been a natural, um, a natural thing to share all of that. Um, yeah. I wonder how many of us are envious and also maybe a little intimidated that there are some of us that we look out in the world that have a channel that they can express mm -hmm. some of their inner selves. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a writer, a musician, an artist, a dancer, but you have a, a mechanism by which you can process and get these inner feelings out. Um, yeah. People resonate with your music. What else is it that's maybe pulling people towards your music? Is it some recognition of the emotional resonance? Mm -hmm. Is it um, recognition of the life experiences told through your music? Is it just because people want to dance? I, I don't know. What do you think? I think for, I can speak as a listener to music. Usually what draws me to other musicians and songwriters is that relativeness, something that I've experience that the songwriter or musician is making me feel or remember. I think that that's what um, pulls me to the music is being reminded of something that I've experienced um, or it inspiring some type of hope in something that I have yet to experience. Um, yeah, I think that that's what pulls me. And hopefully that's what the listener of Anything that I put out feels too is a reminder, some type of hope, some type of inspiration. I feel like this is the perfect segue to, to have listeners feel something. So if it's okay with you, is now a good time for you to sure. play, sing a song? Yeah. Would you, um, once you're ready, just introduce the song and sure. tell us what we're about to hear? Okay. Thank you. Okay, this song is an older song that I've yet to record. It's actually um, the first song that I wrote under this moniker, Misanjix. This is the first song that, the first full song that I wrote under Misanjix. It's called Sheep. Um, it's more of a um, more depressive um, phase for Misanjix and it was inspired from experiences that I had with heartbreak and dishonesty within uh, a relationship. And here we go. Hunting me, I like a sheep, you were my wolf. When I was at my worst, you crept right in. Hunting me, I, I like a sheep, you were my wolf. When I was at my worst, you crept right in, in, in. And now, ow, ooh, you don't know what you've done to me. Now it's been a year, 
I'm still sitting here cold blue since you left me here howling at the moon cause she understands we'll remain in that tall blue that you threw me in that day who is to blame and who is to blame and who is to blame when I'm still yours who is to blame who is to blame I'm still yours I'm still yours Thank you. So we'll we'll come back a little bit later. I I feel like to some of these transitions that you're suggesting in your life. Mm -hmm. But maybe I should go back a little bit to the beginning here. When when did you first realize that music was and songwriting was mm -hmm. a talent that was within you that you needed to develop and express? Um, I lived in Chicago for four years and. After my freshman year at Doan University, it was Doan College then, but um, I felt like I needed to be in a bigger city um, because I felt like the artist in me was really yearning for that sense of, it's just not in Nebraska, really. I, I say that now, but I mean, I think that there is this, um, there are communities, like Lincoln has a great art and music community, and so does Omaha, but I, as a 19-year-old, I was looking for something that wasn't here. So I moved to Chicago, and I was living there for four years, but um, my first year there, I met a drummer of an eclectic jazz band, and he had me sit in on a few of their rehearsals before um, giving me some music to sing. And so that was actually the spark of my songwriting. And um, later in my career with them, they were called Every People Workshop, and it was... Um, an artist collective, the the branch of that that I worked with for four years was uh, Every People's Song. And the last year that I worked with them, I started writing my own songs. And since then, it's been um, not only my refuge or my, um, my spiritual focus, my... Um, passion my everything really has been music and songwriting because it's my biggest sense of freedom that I've experienced in my life is when I'm singing and sharing my experiences through song tell me about your childhood I was born in St. George Utah and I was raised in the Mormon church, surprisingly. I tell people that and they never believe me or they question, like, really? You were raised in the Mormon church? Yes, I was. I um, didn't start questioning the Mormon church until I was like nine. I had an experience where the primary teacher said something about black people and how they were cursed. And I was the only 
um, black child in the room. And so I felt very little. I felt very small and embarrassed and like she was shaming me and um, isolating me. And so since that experience, I, I mean, I started questioning the church and the um, religion. And then when I was 19, I started to detach um, emotionally from that church. But anyway, so my childhood was interesting for a black girl. I was living in Utah, um, predominantly white uh, communities. Myself and my two older brothers were the only black kids at the school that we were going to. Um, experienced a lot of microaggressions. Um, now I can say that and recognize that because I have an understanding of the term. Um, but I didn't know then that that's what I was experiencing. I just thought that that was, was common, I guess, for kids that looked like, like me. I was very close with my mom. I still am. I'm very close with my uh, siblings. Um, I've gotten a lot closer with my dad as I've gotten older, but I was very close with him um, as like a toddler. Um, yeah, I, I think I also knew then that music was a huge part of my life because um, I remember the first cassette tape that I got. It was... Whit I think it was Whitney Houston. I can't remember what um, album it was, but I got a Walkman when I was like six. And I remember plugging in these cassette tapes like over and over listening to them and trying to sing these same melodic lines as Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey and Gloria Estefan even. Yeah, always turning to, to music to escape or to... Um, be reminded of some sense of hope. Yeah. How did you find your way from Utah to Nebraska? Um, so we lived in Utah from the time that I was born until I was 13. And then we moved to Colorado and we were in Colorado for a few years. And then my dad's job and also my older brother's um, opportunity to play at the university for football brought us here in 2015. So then I was here in Nebraska for a couple of years, my junior and senior year of high school before moving or before going off to college in Crete and then to Chicago. So you seem quite introspective about some of your early years through college. And this may be terribly unfair. So if it is, you can tell me. Okay. You've used words like uh, isolating and phrases reflecting that it's only now that you've matured into adulthood and maybe there's an, a language that can describe some of your experiences that you've recognized being somewhat excluded and removed, maybe having experienced um, not the nicest side of humanity on occasion, mm -hmm. and also some personal heartbreak and, and this sort of transition from within a church, perhaps to questioning the church, mm -hmm. within a location and, and moving away from that location. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if that's accurate, it almost feels as if you've gone away and in some ways you've returned. And this feels to me, if I'm listening to your music, the emotional resonance I have with that is that 
you have this flourishing, hopeful optimism about you now. Yeah. Is this reasonable? And, and how did this come about? Sure. I think in the EP, you do hear this sense of optimism, um, this restored hope that I didn't really have when I started this project. I was writing out of heartbreak. And then when I um, started collaborating with local musicians who are now friends of mine, um, and also leaving Chicago and leaving Heartbreak, I was able to um, reground and, like I said, restore some hope within myself and um, tap into optimism. And that was all during this this time with the band, this former band that I had, that I had the privilege of recording the EP with. And I think it was having the time with them in the studio that I had um, where we rehearsed and playing these shows in Lincoln and in, Ho in Omaha that... Um, the music really reflected all of that and also falling in love again, not only with another human being, but also with myself. And I think that that's what you hear in tracks like My Body, um, which is a, and I say this during live shows, a body positive song. Like I, um, I speak in that song about loving your body and I say I love my body over and over again, not only to, you know, speak that into existence for myself, but whoever is listening to the song to remind themselves to love their bodies and who they are. And it's just a fun, upbeat song. And I'm not sure where this next set of songs will take me, but it's I'm leaning more into challenging myself because that's where I feel like I'm going to grow the most. So I'm kind of steering away from writing songs about my experiences with being in love because I feel like that's such an easy aspect of my life to write about and I think it's more challenging to write about other things so this just to touch on this a little bit this new set of songs that I'm writing is interesting because I it's all about these characters that I was able to channel in and I've given them names and I've given them like locations and their own like little narratives. So I'm excited about this new set of songs because like I said, it's challenging me as a songwriter and um, as an artist. It sounds kind of operatic and, and in the tradition of these great bands that produce these operatic thematic mm -hmm. albums with... Um, you know, weird and interesting characters. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope to take after that because I think that that's just uh, where I'm headed as an artist is just building more of a thematic collection of songs instead of, you know, easy, not easy, but like I feel like the stuff that's on the current EP was just... Uh, one phase of Misanjix, just as the songs that I wrote before the EP were a phase, and now I'm I'm entering into this new part of the Misanjix journey, and I'm excited to see where it takes me. 
So I apologize. I think I've been saying Maison Jix. Oh, yeah. But it's Maison Jix. I like how you pronounce it, but Maison Jix, yes. That's, Thank you. Yeah. So before I ask then where that moniker came from, uh, would now be a good time to hear another song? Sure. Um, this song is another little ditty that I haven't recorded and I haven't really worked on with the band yet. Um but it's called Paris, and it's not anything new-new. It's actually older as well. I thought it would be a good one to do here. It was a summer in Paris. I came by myself. You came too. I met you on the corner of Leighton. I wore what I want, you did too And now I never, never, no I never, never No I never, never wanna go No I never, never, no I never, never No I never, never wanna go you can meet me at my apartment on Layton. You can bring a friend, I will too. I wanna take it down to the movies. I wanna take it down to the lake, my friend. No, I never, never. No, I never, never. No, I never, never wanna go. No, I never, never. No, I never, never. No, I never, never wanna go. Thank you. So you have, you've mentioned a couple of times songs that you have that you haven't recorded. Mm -hmm. and, and that one and the previous one were examples of that. So yeah. you have this EP, it's a four-track EP. Yeah. Um, and my question then is, given that you've been working on this craft for a while, you clearly have a body of songs, you have aspirations for songs you already have in mind. Mm -hmm. Why just the one EP? Why did it take so long to get in a studio and record a four-song EP when clearly you've got a lot going on? I think it was just timing and the opportunity presented itself. And also um, my former bandmate, Kelly Dawes, was a drummer um, and he was going off to grad school in New Orleans. And so I had been working with him and Josh Barger on the bass and Miles Jasnowski on the guitar for about a year and a half. And we had um, really built this uh, live presence um, in Lincoln um, and we were playing the circuit pretty consistently. And so I thought it was important that we get in the studio and record what we had all fallen in love with as a band and, um, you know, document these songs and uh, do it before Kikeli left because I, I don't think that 
Well, who knows? We might have that opportunity again to play together, but um, yeah, I needed I needed to document what what we had done together, and so that's what that's those those four songs were to me was just um, getting in the studio, recording those songs. But as far as what I'm working on now and what I had worked on previously before recording with these guys, I I don't know. I haven't spent enough time with this material and I haven't made it a point to record the songs quite yet but I feel like I'm a lot more confident as a songwriter and as an artist that spending more time on songs that I I sit and write at the keys and recording them is is definitely on my radar yeah but we'll see I really want to play live you know that's kind of where my love is right now I really enjoy that energy exchange that I have with not only the band that is sharing that experience with me but also the audience it's so fun it's so fun so yeah we'll see we'll see what's what's in store for for all that tell me more about um the touring and the performing live sure. what, what what are your aspirations for that I think the next step for me Sanjex for me um, is to get on tour with another artist or two that has already established themselves in live tour culture. I feel like I could also DIY it and and you know invest monetarily into the getting a tour going and all of that. But I I also want to see if there's that opportunity to to go on tour with another artist i think that that would be great as their support as their local support um but we'll see i also am very interested in collaborating with hip-hop producers and other musicians and just continuing to um sharpen my sword as a songwriter those are areas that i i feel like um i'm getting better at uh songwriting is just collaborating with other musicians and um producers so i'm gonna tap into that more and then see what solidifies for this potential tour where have you been touring performing live so far i've only hit the middle of america on the map i really want to go to the east coast and to the west coast and down south but so far i've been to iowa i've been to um chicago um i got to take some of this music over there that was a lot of fun because i still have a bunch of friends out there and they were able to see what i've been working on since i've been back i've been to kansas lawrence kansas st louis missouri and i think that's about it do you have a particular dream when you think about the future, um, of course. Tell me about that. <laughs> um, well, I have a dream of playing in Paris and in London. Where are you from, Stuart? So I was born and raised in Canterbury in the southeast of England, and then most of my professional life was in London. So I want to go to Canterbury, is that? Yes. That? And London. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to go to Paris. I want to travel the whole world and just sing and collaborate with other artists. Um, I also not only write songs, but I also tap into like 
video work. I had some video work at the Bemis, and um, I'm also interested in the performance art world. And I just want to create in all of these different mediums. And um, but music is definitely my my top of the list of the art world. But I I want to tap into a lot because I just love creating and. Um, but yeah, that's my dream is to travel the world, collaborate with different artists and continuing to hone in on this craft of music that I have. When the Holtman sisters were on the show just before Christmas, Mm -hmm. one of the things we talked about was the business of music. Mm -hmm. And so the talent is clear. And your potential is is deep and rich and broad, but nonetheless, there is a business to be navigated here mm-hmm. to achieve some of these dreams that you're talking oh, about yeah. in some ways. So, what is the the nature of uh, the business of doing music for you? I'm very fortunate. My father is a businessman, so he has that perspective, and he's definitely helped me um, navigate misogics through the business lens and has also helped me, uh, let's say, um, build my like business intuition so that I am not only responding to opportunities from like an emotional or like spiritual standpoint, but like being a businesswoman and being confident as a businesswoman because I'm a, I'm confident as like a like we spoke about before um artist being vulnerable and being emotional and all of that but the business aspect of music and as an artist is important too and so I'm I'm trying to balance those two sides of the coin and I have people around me in my close circle that support that and encourage that and also are teaching me and giving me the knowledge that I need to succeed as a businesswoman. Maybe this is like every entrepreneur. On the one hand, you have a talent and an interest and a passion for a particular calling, but the other side is then you have to actually work on the business of being successful. Mm -hmm. And I, I certainly don't envy you that just because it seems to be incredibly hard work and sometimes not for a great deal of reward. Right. It is challenging because everything right now, because of technology and everything else, it's it's so accessible. And a lot of the great stuff that's being put out is underground. It's not getting the views. It's not getting the likes, all of this other stuff. Um, The whole social media culture for an artist is the challenging part for me because you have to um, you have to uh, add that into the business side of things as a as an artist, and so it seems like, and what I've been told from friends who are knowledgeable about this side of the business, booking agents and venues are looking at the how you're doing on social media, and so. Being able to detach from everything that, well, I don't know how I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say, because I, yeah, I'm learning to not be so emotionally attached to everything that I am as an artist, and I'm learning to produce work as often as I 
feel and not get weighed down by all of the emotional attachment that I that I have, I guess. If that makes sense. Sometimes talent or your interest in your art or maybe a little bit yourself righteousness possibly sure. gets in the way and other people are telling you either one is it, it's not good enough mm-hmm. or two it is good enough or it is great but i just can't sell it right and and so don't be offended by that that's mm-hmm. just how that's just the market yeah yeah i feel that i think that for me the important thing that I want to practice right now is just getting better at creating and producing work instead of um, attaching myself to making a full body of work before sharing anything. Like I need to just continue writing. And if I complete a song, I complete a song and I can share it instead of like, oh, I've completed a song. Okay. Now um, what's the full project behind it? What are all of the, the little things? But I mean, I think that I'll have that opportunity, but right now where I'm at with me Sanjeks, I just need to continue writing and producing work. One more sure. song. Yeah. Thanks. Is that good? Right there? Okay. All right. Um, this is a newer song. It's called Funny. It's more of live. It's more of a, like an interlude. Um, but it's still a little ditty that I'm working on. We'll see if I flesh it out anymore or, or if I just record it as it is. Like I said, I'm just working on writing right now. So... Appreciating it. Thank you. You mentioned this earlier that you're an artist beyond music, and it yeah. was in 2016 that you had the video installation with Kelsey Lee mm-hmm. as part of a jurid exhibition called yes. Nebraska Rising. Mm-hmm. And it explored, it was at the Bemis, and it explored the theme of landscape, human and physical. Yeah. And I can remember seeing your piece, it was a video installation. Mm-hmm. Would you 
describe it and maybe give some uh, context and backstory to that? Sure. So um, when I moved back from Chicago, back to Nebraska, I, like I said, was going through heartbreak and just um, not really sure where I was with my life and who I was. And so I just, um, as I mentioned before, needed to get regrounded and um, be around people that know me and that love me and support me. And so I uh, turned to music and turned to um, creating. I'm very much about documenting parts of my life that are challenging or that have significance to me and where I've grown a lot. And so I felt like going through heartbreak for the first time was a significant point in my life because I grew, I was growing in that, um, that part of my life. And so I reached out to a videographer friend of mine, Kelsey Lee, and talked to her about this project that I had in mind. And she was very um, supportive and happy to help. And um, so the video piece that I submitted to Bemis was that it was this document of like my experience of heartbreak and what it was like for me to kind of have this death and this rebirth and I also scored the video so Sheep the first song that I played in this um, interview with you was in that video and there were three other songs that were in that video and then I also directed the video uh and that was my first experience with that. And that was a lot of fun. And then I also shot a little bit of the video. Parts of it weren't in the, the final draft of it, but um, that was my first experience with being behind the camera. And that was a lot of fun as well. And then I wrote some more songs that were in the... So the black and white video was shot by Kelsey. And directed by me and then I scored that and then I made a little video that was a more updated version of what I was going through as um post heartbreak and so I I scored that video as well with um a newer tune that was where I was currently and that was at the the Bemis for that exhibition You've talked a little bit about the business of music and being attentive to and diligent around social media. Mm -hmm. And you've also talked about how technology can suck at the lifeblood of being a successful musician, business person. Mm -hmm. But then it also seems to me that you have a talent with it as well, as, as demonstrated by, by that piece. And I wonder if you see a greater role for video and other technologies combined with scoring, directing, and s the storytelling that you can use through music and video. I'm wondering if you see a greater role for that kind of art in your future. Oh, totally. I definitely want to continue, continue work with video and documentation and scoring. I would love to score my own film that I direct and... Um, maybe even shoot, that would be a lot of fun. But I think that that's later in, in my career. Right now I'm very focused on touring and uh, the live 
performance aspect of misanjiks and focusing on that. Um, just to talk a little bit more about social media and how it works within the business of music and as an artist, I feel like it's a great tool, but I also don't want to get distracted by it because it's very distracting sometimes. I think if I focus on using it as a tool and um, bringing more people to what I'm doing creatively, then it'll be, it'll be beneficial. But it's definitely a distracting thing. So, Misonjix, yes. could you just give us a little, the backstory to the name? Oh, sure. It's an amalgam. Misonjix is an amalgam of all my names, Mary Elizabeth Joe Dixon Lawson. And I regretfully left out my Polynesian middle name because my mother is Polynesian. Um, and that middle name is Pele Nice Kepiolani. So I want to somehow include that in the name Misanjix, but maybe that'll be later on. I don't know. But yes, it's a combination of all my names. Maybe you can add that in when you start touring Europe. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Definitely. What should we know about you as we close? I'm a soul woman. But I also love, um, I love challenging myself. I'm a soul woman who loves challenging herself. I love collaborating. I'm open to working creatively with anyone. I think that the arts and the music are a space in this lifetime where um, freedom lies and it's accessible for every human being because we are all creators. And I'll leave it at that. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so I'd like to play us out. Sure. On the show. Yeah. With motion. Yeah. From the EP. Awesome. Would that be okay? Of course. And would you just tell us a little bit about the song Motion? Sure. Motion is about the experience of falling in love and the aspirations of being in love for the first time with someone new, um, but also feeling this loyalty and this um, sense of future with something new. Now we, we've been on the I cannot look back Granted we could be together For a while longer I know what it is That's got me coming back to you It's those eyes I can't deny When, when you're looking at me It's those eyes I can't deny When, when you're looking at me that I saw your face You and me can go anywhere And do anything Don't you see? You know where I stand We can set this plan in motion
listen to this show again and to hear past shows, download the podcast at iTunes, search for Live's radio show with Stuart Chittenden, and leave a review while you're there to let me know what you think of the show. been in conversation with Mary Elizabeth Lawson, the musician Mizonjix. Thank you, Mary, for being on the show. Thank you, Stuart. That's the end of this week's show. The sound engineer was Dalimar McTizik. The magnificent Marion Fay helped produce the show. Lives is an executive production of Squish Talks. I'm your host, Stuart Chittenden. Join me next week for more community, conversation, and the people that bring community to life.